Yo, what is up, you rascally scallywag recruiters? You, this is David Stephen Patterson here. On my right over here, we have my brother and other mother, uh, Neil Lebovitz, and then we also have the always hunky Chris Wessel. On your left, welcome, on guys. Your on your left. Hey, this. By the way, yes. this is this is episode number eight of the Headhunters Live, and today we're going to be talking about. Hiring specifically, if you're a solo recruiter, hiring somebody new, maybe your first employee because you want to take advantage of the market, um, or maybe you're a recruiter looking for uh, a position yourself and to, to find another agency to work with, or if you're an established firm and you want to use, take advantage of the market and, and hire superstars that you might not be able to otherwise. We're talking about that today, but uh, before we get into that, though, guys, do me a quick favor. Make sure if you see, if you hear this, make sure you comment live down below. If you're watching the replay, comment replay and do me a favor, please comment, show us some likes, loves, whatever, show us some emotion because that is how this show goes viral. So that said, guys, Neil, Chris, how you guys doing today? I am good. How about you? Yeah. Oh, same old Zoe. I'm busy, busy, busy. And actually, I'm really excited for the show. Uh, and the funny, the funny thing is, you know, we were we were all researching on YouTube, trying to find some videos of other maybe trainers, whatever, talking about hiring. And there's not a lot out there, at least not for hiring agency recruiters. It seems like on the other side of the coin, there's advice for those interviewing for maybe recruiting mm -hmm. jobs, but not a lot of um, not a lot of content on so you're hiring your first recruiter or like even best practices in hiring a recruiter. thought that was interesting because Neil and I looked and so did David. We looked, we perused, as you would say. Yeah, it's really it's really hard. Well, he, here's the thing too is that one thing I've always noticed, which is which is uh, I think it's funny and it's kind of ironic. But uh, so I don't know about you guys, but have you ever noticed that um, you know recruiters who may be great at placing people, uh, recruiters are the worst recruiters for themselves. You ever notice yeah. that? Uh, it looks it's the it's the the shoe fixer, right? The shoemaker doesn't have shoes. The accountant mm -hmm. has the bad books. That's an old story, David. Right? Why would it be any different for recruiters? Absolutely. Well, talk mm -hmm. about pipeline, like people that always need to get good talent or hiring the first person mm -hmm. or hiring someone, all the things that you try to avoid your clients doing. I think that's such a good point. Oh, yeah, we do that. Yeah, I remember yeah. I had that with my firm where like all the advice I would give clients is like none of the advice I would follow myself, like, you know, in terms of like defining the role, in terms of identifying like the right metrics for them and how to manage them and set them up for success. Yeah, you when it's you, you're like, I just need somebody in here. Let's do this. Right. What's in it for the marriage? What's the right fit both ways? All those things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, I think a lot of it comes down to this as well as that as recruiters for at least for the majority of recruiters um, out there who do well, they're not really technically recruiting. They are recruiting. But what we do is we, we, we're, we're private investigators. We hustle up candidates. We find them. We try to really get it selling on the front end, getting them interested and get them into the process. But we're actually not, for the most part, most recruiters are involved in our clients' recruitment processes at all. And so, and as long as we close a deal, that's great. You know, they may last six months, they may last a year, as long as they, they go past the guarantee period. We don't care. At least most recruiters don't. And so I think for, because of that, uh, they go into, into recruiting for themselves with that mentality. They don't, they, they don't really have any talent acquisition experience uh beyond just you know what they see their clients do i think that's a big part of it um because when you think about like okay so, so for example let's say you're a solo recruiter you're in a, they say you went independent you know and you're and you're out there on your own and you've got a good amount of business you want to start hiring for yourself well we all know you have to create employee value proposition right for your like for your clients but unfortunately like you are a solo dude working out of uh, working off your kitchen table 
uh, uh, kind of a janky website, uh, no <laughs> brand, you know, no supporting systems. Uh, and you want to hire someone on commission only. And it's like, okay, <laughs> any recruiter worth of salt is going to work for an establishment. Right. Firm. They wonder why the person didn't work out. Or if they, Stop. and if they can actually function in that vague environment you've given them, they might as well just hang out their own shingle. What's the point? Right? That, that's a huge one that's going to permeate, I think, throughout today. You have to find out if you're, if you're going to give them and be in a full desk position. Then why won't they? And at a certain point, you're value? setting yourself up for failure unless you have that all thought out. That's like the obvious part. Hundred percent, hundred percent. So, so a lot of it comes down to like what, what's the value proposition that you have. Um, and so, so the way I think about it, at least, at least for me. And and by the way, I come from uh, in terms of my my background. Uh, I was heavily influenced by by Jeff Kay and and uh, uh, Kay Bassman, and then from from there, uh, uh, Sanford Rose, SRA, and they have this sort of like rainmaker style of 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 um, organization where. Uh, let's say you're it, so the way the way they have it, which by the way, this this sort of system could work both as a solar as a solar recruiter and as in, and within the context of a larger firm. But um, when you look at see your practice, if you're a solar recruiter and and you're billing, you've got you've got clients, you, you're you're getting clients in, you you handle all the accounts, etc. Um, one of the worst things you can do is actually try to hire somebody else like you. Yeah. Yourself. Why would they go to work for you? Now, granted, it makes sense. Why would they go to work for maybe a fifty person boutique? brand name firm where where they're where they know they're gonna easily do four or five hundred K per year. But and for you, when you've got no brand name, no nothing, why they work for you. So uh why I look at it and what they taught me was well hire somebody junior, hire an start with an admin or start with maybe a junior recruiter. Somebody's going to handle like the like a lot of the initial screens that you wouldn't that normally would take up a large part of your day. And then you're free up to do more uh, marketing, more business development, more more client management. You've got broader recruiting bandwidth and allows you to bring in someone junior and train them up and eventually get them into selling. Right. I think from a uh from a uh, an employer value proposition, uh I think hiring someone a little more or more junior and bringing them up in the business and letting them recruit helps take care of that because now you don't have to justify why would a successful agency recruiter who consistently builds every uh, you know every year uh, uh, you don't have to sell them on working for you. Right? So, issues that a lot of solar recruiters have. So I had, I, I followed some of that model for a bit when, when at the last firm that I had first about mm -hmm. 10 years had um, three, four recruiters at any given time. And most of what I did was kind of trained them from scratch. And I went through some uh, learning curves. Right. And, and by the way, David, I want to point out that you mentioned about like progressing eventually into sales. Now that's a common path. Like that's, that's mm -hmm. prescribed to a lot of organizations, but it's also important to recognize that they, that may not be something they ever want to do, which is great because that could be a long-term winning proposition. And if they don't want to sell, but you, you could, you, you could, they, you may be able to hold on to that resource for longer because if they can sell, like why keep working for you? Right. And so I remember that I, I kind of went back and forth with, okay, we need to, my, my partner and I, at the time, we, we had both been experienced recruiters. We knew what we were doing. We just got out there. We build, you know, a ton between the two of us, our first year. And then we're like, okay, it's time to start hiring people. And, you know, part of it, the hiring more junior or was, was driven by budget, but also not even just junior, but just if they, I think, in my experience, trying to get someone to sell for you is is far more challenging than to get someone to handle the back end for you. Because if you think about it, if you've had any measure of success as a solo recruiter, you are the rainmaker, right? 
And I've, and at times I remember in the past, I'm like, oh, let me hire some junior, like some salesperson to set appointments, whatever. That doesn't work because I get business because I'm the brand. I'm the one that they want to work with. Mm-hmm. Delivery on the back end, I can plug people in and out. That's another nice thing. If you change over recruiters behind the scenes like that, that's something you can easily like cover. You know, if you lose a salesperson, that's like, I think more visible. Um, but anyway, my point being like, first you have to figure out like, what do you want them to do? Right. If you want to have them be like Neil said, if you want to have them be a full desk, what's the point of coming to work for you? Like, I get it. You need someone. But why should they come work for you? Which, by the way, does that sound familiar? Because that's what we say to all of our freaking clients when we're hiring for them and we want to know their employer brand. But I have found that as soon as you realize like what you're personally good at, and in my case, I I realized, okay, I'm the one that has to be selling. I have to be the face. Mm -hmm. I have to be the client contact and I can carve out the recruiting piece on the delivery side. And, and yeah. yeah, you're still going to want to talk to the candidates before you present them and stuff like that. Um, just thinking about how you want to break down the work and thinking about how sustainable it is. Because again, like I think if they have any sales skills, they're going to hang out a shingle at some point because they're going to they're going to get some Listen, confidence. Bob, on them. But if they don't ever want to sell and they just want to recruit, you may have a good long term, mutually beneficial situation. Sorry, Neil, go ahead. No, no, I'm I'm just totally I mean, that's an amen. They're going to to both, both of you are saying. It needs to be avoided. I don't know anybody that successfully in that small, if you're a small mom and pop, which is which is everyone really that's watching this, it, it's going to fail. They're going to leave you. Uh, bottom line, I think that's the case. And, and I'm going to say, I like where David's going and where you're going. And that's the most success I've seen online with people. If you're going to hire a commission owner, like you said, a full desk recruiter that's going to come in, and I'm going to teach, like, come on. What baggage are you getting? And, I, and I'm going to say, mm-hmm. be careful. And one big point I want to add with all this is when you're interviewing these people, the focus ha- has got to be. Well, I, I'm going to come back to, uh, to, to some thoughts on it because David has a, a bunch of things he wants to cover. But I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, and you've got to come from a different angle because these people are going to leave. The reason they left their last company, that's what I was going to say is the same reason they're going to leave you. I was always considered the bear at interviewing. People would always say, Neil, you're so difficult. I had the lowest turnover of employee attrition, as they call it globally, everywhere. And the reason is a leopard doesn't change their spots. The best predictor of future behavior is the most recent past behavior. Don't let anything else fool you. Okay, the halo effect, everything else you're doing. They left their job hoppers. They're going to leave again. They haven't held a job in six months. They will leave you in six months. They left that job for money. They got in a fight with the owner. The same thing's going to happen. You're fooling yourself any other way. That's my wisdom as the boss and being a big employer for a long time. But I, well, I you know, um, so, so the halo effect is, is interesting because uh, I know that as so. You know, if if you go into business for yourself, if you if you go solo or you start your own firm, you're in essence an entrepreneur. You're a recruiter, but at the end of the day, you have an entrepreneurial spirit. And what I found is that people have an entrepreneurial spirit. You know, we 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 have the spirit of like, let's build the airplane, let's jump off the cliff and build the airplane on the way down. Like we're just it's just what we do. We're dynamic. We do things on the fly, uh, and we always think we can turn everything around. Like we we're, we're so confident in our abilities, and so we hire somebody in. As you said, the lepers don't, don't change their spots. But what happens is you, you hire somebody in and 
oftentimes, and, and any manager, especially when you're watching this, can probably relate to this, where you believe in somebody more than they believe in themselves. And you keep them on way too long. Um, you don't manage them correctly because you think that, that you can get them to turn it around. Like you have that special spark that you can get, or, 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 or you can actually spark that in somebody else. And the most effective managers know that you can't, right? At the end of the day, you have to bring out the best in your people, but you also have to find the best people to bring the best out of. And you and and you really can't just stick lipstick on on a pig, right? And and, and expect to get anywhere. Now, so one of the I actually learned this from also from uh, 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 Jeff Keating's organization. This one's specifically from Karen, um, the, the president of SRA. And I remember this, and, and uh, I learned this years and years and years ago, and I, I love this. And I started using this myself. This was a um, a speech, not a speech, but a, just a, a conversation that you give to somebody who just started um, or, who, or is starting. So you're hiring them, and you're setting expectations. And one of the biggest things when, when hiring somebody, whether you're a recruiter or full district, recruiter or junior recruiter, whatever it is, is not setting proper expectations. Um, because what happens is they start um, and everybody's excited. They're excited. You're excited. We're all excited. And then, and then you're not managing them like you should because you're excited. You don't want to be the bad manager. You want to be the cool manager. You want to be the, the, the cool entrepreneur. Uh, and so, but they need management. And so what happens is if they, if their numbers are trailing off and not doing as well as they should, which that happens most of the time, even for people who are really good, you don't manage them. Uh, and then, cause you think they'll just turn it around and eventually they never turn it around. You're waiting, waiting, waiting. You get resentful. And then the moment you say something, you know, a month after you should have said something, they're surprised because they think everything's fine. Right. And it, it just doesn't work out. And so what, so the, the speech or this, the, the talk is basically this. So look, um, uh, imagine you wanted to run a marathon, right? You've never run a marathon before in your life. And uh, you set this goal in your head in, in six months I, or this year I want to run that marathon. Well, it's tough. And so you reach out to a marathon coach and that's me. I'm the best, I'm, I'm the best coach in, 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 the, in the region on marathons. I build champions. I'll get you across that finish line. However, I want you to know that, that in our training, um, I want to ask you to do things that you want to understand. If I call you at three o'clock in the morning and go run hills, I need you to go do it because there's a plan in my head. You don't need to know the plan because I know the plan. All right, you're gonna hate me. You're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna. Uh, it's gonna be hard. It's gonna suck. But I'll tell you what: when you get across that finish line after that twenty-six point two miles, I'm, I'll probably be the first person you hug because I got you there. That's my goal: is it not to be your friend, is to get you past that finish line. Karate so, kid vibe, getting a wax on wax off vibe. Yeah. And so, and so basically, and so the, the, and the key in this is like, so in this case, I need you to give me, I need you to give me permission to manage you. Uh, I need you to give me, you, I need you to give me permission to manage you. Uh, even if you come in hard on you sometimes in the, in the effort to get you to where you want to be. And the moment you don't want to do it anymore, the moment you say, okay, I can't do it. Tell me no big deal. Right. Um, kind of like ringing the bell in, in the, what the, the seal school or seal, whatever the hell week and, uh, for the seal team, like ringing that bell and then, then they leave. It's kind of the same, same sort of a uh, uh, scenario. And what happens is, is you actually set this up properly initially and you, you've got you basically gained their permission to manage them based on what they want to do, right? Which might be to build 500K in a year or whatever it is, right? And using that sort of, of marathon analogy, I think really, really works because so, it sets that proper expectation. So along those lines, I think that touches on a really important nuance that I learned the hard way 15 or so years ago which is that you're now a manager. Yes, maybe you, you're the selling and they're recruiting and whatever, but you're also 
a manager. And, and I learned kind of the hard way over the years that like, you know, I thought that the standard path for growth is you hire people and you keep growing and that's how you scale, right? And that to some degree is accurate, but not entirely the only path. And I realized that I was, you know, I, I looked out my first hire, just kind of thought like I did worked. I'm like, okay, cool. I'm also, I'm a good recruiter. Apparently I'm also a great manager. Awesome. Carry on. I hire, start hiring more people. And I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with these people? And why can't they be more like Pat or whoever? Right. And so then I was like, like, this is, I learned, like, you know, I went to business school at MBA, all that other crap. But like, at the end of the day, like, that's where I learned, like, holy shit, there's a difference between like being good at a particular thing, an individual contributor and being a manager. And your thought process has to change. Even if you're, especially if you're currently still in somewhat of an individual contributor capacity, and now you have to layer in management. Oh like, my God. It's a different beast and you got to make sure that this is something you're ready for. It's really different. Um, and also it even goes back to like, do you even need to hire someone? Right. Like you want to grow, but like as, as Neil and, and David are, are experienced in areas like using VAs and, and automation, just like I am too, like, you know, you want to grow, but is it, does it mean you need to hire a recruiter? Does it mean you need to just carve out the busy part of your day to like a VA? Does it mean you need to integrate some automation so you can get more out of your day? And that'll only take you so far or whatever. Maybe you do that first, then you hire someone, but like first, like, okay, I want to grow. Does that automatically mean I need to hire someone? If so, that could be the answer. Now, okay, I am now going to be a manager, and this is a big leap for a lot of people. So the, it's the why, right? So, so why? Uh, 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 I'm sorry if I'm cutting you off on there too. I could come back mm. to my point there, please. We forgive you, Neil. Oh, I'm done. Or yeah, no, no, David. You're, you're, you're <laughs> oh, oh, I wasn't paying attention. Go ahead. Um, David, do you have something to say, or or you want to continue? No. Well, no, I guess, I guess something I would say, I'll say on that one is, is to follow up with on, on Chris's point to piggyback off of it. The, um, uh, yeah, yeah. We, you're an entrepreneur, right? So you, you're a solo recruiter, you're an entrepreneur, you're not just a recruiter and, and being in business for yourself, you've got to be, uh, adept at finance and sales and management and operations and recruiting and all these other different things. And, and you gotta be the chief bottle washer, as they say. And, and that's one of the, the, the biggest things about entrepreneurship that no one really gets is that you have to be all these things and be, at least be proficient in all of them in order to even survive to get to the point where you can start hiring people in take over because look if you're if you're a medium-sized search firm you're going to have somebody who does your finances your accountant you're going to have maybe somebody handles all your operations and and all that but when you're solo it's just you and so part of that includes the, the management piece of it and he's gotta you gotta be able to figure it out it sucks but it's the big barriers the barrier uh, is that what keeps solo recruiters from ever actually building the search firm they want to build right is because of that singular reason right there yeah what do they want to build why do you want to hire someone and as we've said you have nothing to offer so how are you going to hook them so you can't do it until you're ready to hook them can you hear me by the way I, oh yeah there you go yep. until you're in, until you're ready to hook them so what chris is saying you, there's so many elements of your desk that you can outsource uh, you uh, through through virtual assistants, you could outsource mm -hmm. researching, you could outsource uh, email marketing, and that's what's cool. As you, it's so many things that you can do. Okay, um, how do you get these people figure that out and get those levels scalable so you can fit other people into those in your own model? Make it the one that you're excited mm -hmm. about, what you love, and then you're just going to do it at the point where you're the 
the rainmaker, as Chris said. You're the one that's doing the deals and your desk is going to be too busy because you're putting all your time on the deal making, all the time I'm bringing in the orders. And you've got this team that's now doing all these other things that you're able to scale. All of a sudden, you can't handle it anymore. That's when yes. you can, that's when you have value now yep. to bring in that star. That other person where now I've got something here. Look at what I've built that you plug into for the right person. Yep. All right. So it's what what both of you are saying. That's just kind of that's my top mm -hmm. level view, putting them both together. I couldn't agree and it's more. It's like a step path to growth, right? Like it's a step path where, like, okay, first you get more utility out of yourself and organize yourself. So you'll probably right. you'll inevitably be billing more. So you're already making more money. So now you start to get even better, you hit capacity and and Again, just echoing Neil. This is now, how an if MBA you bring somebody on board, board there's the value. You're an MBA. I went to Stanford. This is how this is how you would talk about it. You wouldn't just come in and do an old school thing that doesn't work. And let me bring in another person. And boom, it fixes you know, everything. Cross the fingers. You might, you might get lucky. You might get lucky, but he has this real low percentage uh, uh, show. A real low like, percentage. We have a question here for one of our, uh, our, our, our very handsome listeners. Yerbal, uh, love this podcast. Any recommendations? By the way, I love this podcast. You have good taste. Uh, any recommendations on hiring lead gen, biz dev assistants? How do you structure their compensation, et cetera? So, um, by the way, it's your ball. Uh, I wonder if your ball is huh? short for your Belinda, which is always one of my favorite names. I think it's such a beautiful name if it is. It was like a little Linda, little Yerbo. It's like a very strange name to me. You, you're Perfect. not in the Repub you're not in the primaries. You're not running for office. You don't need to kiss all their asses. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean it. I, I don't know if it is. It's a Yerbo. It could be nothing yeah, to do with it. Uh, to our uh, audience uh, already. <laughs> Listen, we have one person it's watching. An if I'm not going to kiss her ass, who's are we going to kiss? Okay. That's a good point. Thank you so, for joining us today. We can actually address each viewer during this podcast if we want. Just bring them in the call. Just hop yeah. in. Sorry, go right. ahead. Right. Come I'm over serious, to my apartment but, after the show for for hummus <laughs> and chichkis. All right. So so legion, <laughs> legion folks. So that that's actually um, so so it depends on how you structure. It. Like you can hire somebody who just who actually does real sales, meaning they go out and they prospect and then they actually run sales calls and then sign the client and then maybe hand them off to you. I think what a lot of uh, uh, firms are having success with nowadays is the SDR position, which is not quite that. It's actually just focused on the prospecting piece of it. Kind of like how as a, let's say you're a, a practice leader and you hire a junior recruiter to handle the, you know, all the pre-screen, all, all the screening and talking to can all the stuff that can be done on the front end to allow you to then uh, have more time for relate to relationship build and get new clients, et cetera. Well, someone on the prospecting side as well. Um, oh, she had a comment here. It looks like uh, uh, it's your bold name from Kazakhstan. Uh, but in terms of yeah, the, in terms of the, uh, um, no, um, Kazakhstan, that's a really, not just joking. Okay, oh, it's a uh, it's it's one of the stands. You got Kyrgyzstan, Afghanistan, Turkestan, all the stands. Um, it's like the we, orange we the, in New Jersey. Yeah. Well, David's like, the, let uh, me finish my freaking sentence to Stan. <laughs> he's but, the okay, one so, who put it up. So, he's flashing it, Chris. I'm not interrupting it. He he's controlling the, uh, no, the, no. the overlays, not me. So so lead generation, lead generation. So so lead generation and prospecting is time consuming. Uh, time consuming. And so what uh, what a lot of firms are doing nowadays is they have a someone junior, maybe someone who wants to get into a recruiting role at some point or whatever, and they handle all the prospecting. Actually, they're sending out the emails. They're making cold calls. They're leaving voicemail. Um, and what they're doing is they're setting up appointments for you, the practice leader. Um, now, how you structure that, 
or how you, how you pay for that. Um, typically for someone like that, you're going to want to give them a salary, right? You're not going to be able to get anybody to do that on a commission only basis. Um, right. Because they're, they're typically more junior. You want to get them in on a salary uh, and you typically give them either. So what I, what I've heard different pay structures. I've heard some firms paying on a per appointment basis. If they, if the appointment meets certain criteria. Mm -hmm. So, they don't go book an appointment for you with the janitor or something like that, but that'd be certain criteria and they get paid on a per appointment basis, like as a little bit of a spiff on top, on top of their salary. Um, or it could be a, maybe a very small percentage of the back end deal. Um, but what I've, I found again, most firms tend, typically tend to pay up more on the front end. So either on a per, uh, like, like on a per appointment basis I've heard is, 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 is a pretty common one. Well, what about you guys? Have you, what, so, what have you guys heard in terms of like, say, or what's your, what advice do you have? So for somebody who wants to hire lead gen, that's my view on it. Right? So in terms of the comp structure, and also this is interesting because I've hired for a lot of sales positions and dealt with a lot of sales organizations. So in some, a lot mm -hmm. of cases I've seen how it's broken out in other businesses and how they, how they, they compensate even outside of recruiting. So I think that, you know, the nice thing about when you give somebody who's doing lead gen, uh, basing, you know, having milestone based on a certain amount of meetings or like the, the meetings being qualified, like that's something they can control, right? Because they can't control if you close it, but they can control how many, how many meetings they set, because that's just going to be a function of how many calls they make. Right. But I do think it's also personally, I think that it is valuable to give them some kind of piece of the back end because that will incentivize them to get even better meetings. Um, so, you know, but that's above and beyond because that's not, that shouldn't be part of their goals because that's not something they have control over. Um, but I think it could, it could incentivize the right behavior and, and like better meetings. Um, mm -hmm. So that's my two cents on it. Well, you know, it, 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 it gets them involved or it, it or it, um, it marries them. invested. Your business, it's investment. Yeah, they, they get because if, if you pay them on the front end, for example, on a per meeting basis, for example, and maybe I don't know, every quarter, they, they get a bonus based on production, maybe for their team as a whole or something like that. So they get, they get to share in the wealth. They get to, cause that's how, that's also how you, how you grow people internally is you, you share the wealth, you let them participate in the company as a whole because they got no reason to leave. And if you have someone junior, who's really good and they develop and you can, I mean, there, there are some amazing recruiters who have started quite literally as interns at a company and just stayed with the same company. And then, and then next thing you know, 10 years, 15 years later, they're a practice leader running a multi-million dollar practice in the firm because they, they're, they're invested in the firm. They're never going to leave because they, they grew up there. They, 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 they first, you know, uh, 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 lost their recruiting virginity in your firm, right? So much more likely to stay if they feel there. like a part of the family. Yeah. I went there. Sorry guys. Sorry guys. But yeah, that, that's the way I look at it. Um, well, let, let's 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 actually uh, uh, turn topics here because I also want to talk about if you're a recruiter. So if you're if you're a recruiter and you don't need to hire, you need to be hired for whatever reason. Yeah, maybe maybe uh, the company you're with folded or, or whatever it is, um, or maybe you're an internal recruiter and you want to take take a uh, stab at working at an agency. Um, oh, by the way, your ball says uh, well noted. Thanks a lot. Got it. So uh, so Neil, Chris, if you're a recruiter, if you if if I were a recruiter. On the market as of today, just got laid off. What would your advice be to me? Is this in the or context of getting a job in a recruiting period or a job with like third party recruiting? Because I agency. feel like, okay, specifically, Go ahead. so I would be honest with myself. And if I don't have the skill set nor have really had the training, I would get the training from a boutique shop and a lar or a regional firm or larger one. I think. 
I, I think we've all been through it when we have. There's just so much you get from it. I think do whatever you can to surround yourself with a team. You, but it's the same answer I'm going to have. You need to know your value, specifically what you're bringing and what someone else is going to have to make sure it's there. You can't just be hungry for the first job. It's the same note, too. There's so many personality issues, and I, I can't even begin. Um, why do you want to work for someone else is the question again. In a small capacity, I don't know. Depends. I mean, some, well, some people don't want to. They just don't. They don't. They want to be able to bill, make their money, and they don't want to worry about the overhead. They don't want to worry about the risk. They don't want to worry about. I I, I get the the point in terms of you know when you're yeah. you're recruiting, eat what you kill. You kind of are an entrepreneur in a lot of ways, even if you work somebody else. But at the same time, I think for a lot I of people, ask you to to bottom line is a lot of people out there do have really neat things that they've been building. Right. Mm -hmm. And I would ask, I would find that out. Know that you can go anywhere and you really can. Okay. If you're good, you should have a hundred up. Don't be desperate. I know people are, oh, the market's coming out here. Neil, do you know someone? I am telling you, when I reach out to anyone, everyone is interested in talking to a recruiter or a good one. Okay. But the, okay. So, anyhow. So, uh, if you're trying to position, oh, sorry. If you're trying to position yourself, and I know I've hired a ton of them. And I just, I think about if you're trying to position yourself for an agency recruiting role, and I say agency, just third party in general, wherever you're going to go work for one person or a, a big company, it is not enough. And I've seen this post a lot. It's not enough to just say, I know how to use all the tools. I'm great at recruiting. I filled a bunch of jobs. Congratulations. A lot of people have, right? What you need to be able to demonstrate is that you understand that even if you're not the one selling, you have to be producing and contributing to the company's growth and contributing to the sales process. It's not just that you're good at finding people and you know how to use these tools and you know some plugin nobody else freaking knows about, but like that you can extract. Remember how we talked last time about extracting value from a conversation? That's what you should be talking about in an interview or even in, in your introduction to someone is that when you get on the phone with a candidate or you interact with a candidate, you're identifying or anyone. You're identifying opportunity. You're identifying whether this is a possible candidate, whether this is a possible lead for the company. Even if you're not the one following up on it, you're 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 looking at things from different angles. You're entrepreneurial to some extent, even if you don't want to be an entrepreneur. I think that demonstrating that will set you apart. And I think that maybe some people leave that unsaid and, and they're missing an opportunity. But I think you're not differentiating if you just say, you know, I'm good at recruiting. I, I You know what I mean? Like show that agency owner that you're going to help them grow their business even if you're not selling does that make sense well the best way to you know the best way to do it uh, i think actually to demonstrate that is national demonstration of what you can do i mean what, what do we do to recruiters we we you know not to give me a job to work who, on who post, yeah, who, who post a job order or, or a job on on the boards and just and then process people come in but i'm talking about like they, they hunt right we're head hunters and so show me you can hunt and so for me the way i look at it is if you're if you're an agency recruiter um start calling agencies find out who the owners are call cold call them directly email them put them in campaigns act as if you're trying to get them as a client or or you're trying to recruit them like take take the initiative and and sell and so, because for me, for example, you know, I remember when I was running my firm, even times when I wasn't hiring, if I had someone reach out to me in, in a very strong manner as a hunter and, 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 and intrigued me enough, oftentimes, I mean, I didn't hire everybody who did that, but it really made a difference. Like it, it got me interested in them. And so I think that's a big part of it. Look, at the end of the day, uh, think about, think about the dating world, right? 
um, when you're when you're a young fella on on on, on the hunt for love and all the and all the wrong places, as they say, and you know what what shows the um, you you could be a guy who's not quite as attractive, right? Didn't have the great job, et cetera, but but you know what women find really really attractive confidence. Is the ability to walk up and just start a conversation naturally and shit and not be cheesy, not be, but they have the balls to walk up in, in, even though you know you're probably get, you're gonna get rejected and just start talking and be able to initiate a conversation, be interesting and, 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 and show your personality and draw hers out, et cetera, et cetera. Well, the same applies if you're an agency recruiter looking for a job, right? It's the, it's the, it's the fact that you call that agency owner, right? And you left a compelling voicemail and send a compelling email. It's going to tell him or her, like, oh, this is how he works. This, this is how yeah. this person operates. Exactly, exactly. So demonstrate it. That, that's, that's the number one thing I think more than anything else is go out there and actually start you know, recruiting for yourself, like start or selling for yourself, right? Put together campaigns. That's, you know, that, that's how you do it. And I think, and the crazy thing is, so many recruiters don't do that. They fall into the trap of applying through the job portal and hoping they get a call back, right? No, take, take, take things into your own hands. Like, especially nowadays when, when agency owners are looking for people who can create business and, and hunt, to show them how you hunt, show them how you hunt. That's, and that's even if I'm hiring you just to recruit for me and not even just sell for me, that shows me that right. that's how yes. you're going to pursue candidates proactively. Mm-hmm. And like you're asking for referrals, et cetera. You're showing, like we talked the other day about like showing a potential client how you operate. It's, it's the same thing. You're giving a potential it, future. The opposite client. holds true also. So your behavior and treating it just like you would prep other candidates is super, super important, right? You know, uh, incredible. Right. Oh, excuse me. Oh, Neil, are you all right? You joking? I, I, I mean, it's my coffee. I'm gonna have some more coffee. I'm so only in my second coffee. My coffee. I had a tragedy. I have a built-in coffee maker in my apartment, and it is officially gone. And I'm on instant coffee. It's not quite Ooh. Sanka, but I feel like I, yeah, I'm drinking like Sanka. There's a Dunkin' and Star. I'm right in Manhattan, but I haven't left the apartment. It's gone. Did someone break oh, it man. and steal it out of your wall? How no, it, it broke finally. It was always kind of broken. It never worked. You know, it's gigantic, but the brew unit's all damaged. It won't come out. It can't be like. It's a crazy man, repair. I'm New York really is falling to shit. You can't even get coffee now. If and only there had- was. One came of or fifty city. Starbucks within five feet of you. Like, <laughs> what is this Starbucks that that you speak of? Starbucks coffee uh, sucks, by the way. If you, if you ever had the regular coffee, like their black coffee, it's always burnt. It's bitter. Like they have. Well, the it's not as bitter as Dunkin'. Like those savages in Boston. Yeah, Dunkin's not good like- either. either yeah. <laughs> Like the coffee sucks. Like it's it's that's right. why everybody gets the, yeah. the fresh. Now, now we're really going to start polarizing. Going to digress. So I, I was saying these people have to, um, they, they, so your behavior also can work against you, you know, meaning oh, I recently was hiring someone and if they're going to be a rep for us, they're, they were so anxious about getting the job and following up too much and call, texting me on a Sunday and, and they did the same with our COO, not getting the job. And th- so I'm saying the opposite whole, like you are auditioning everything you do, do it the right way. Follow up, be that person that actually sends the, 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 that text afterwards to do all the things. That's all. Mm-hmm. That's what I can yeah. add yeah. from my experience as a hiring manager. Mm-hmm. Yep. hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Don't be over needy, you know, and look at the end of the day, if, you, if you're calling these agency, agency owners, um, 
granted, if you get an interview and that might be the only interview you have, then you're kind of, then, then of course you're going to be needy or at least you, you will, you will be needy on the inside. But if you reach out to over the course of this next week, 200 agencies and the owners are going to be getting interviews you, and you'll get, you know, five interviews, 10 interviews, 20 interviews. What's going to happen is that you're no longer needy, right? And people love confident people and people love others who are on them or not who are on the market, but people, people want those who others, who, uh, those who others want, that's a tongue twister. People want what others want. And if, and if other people are vying for you, you become inherently more valuable, just given that fact alone. That, as the, and if you're yeah. trying to keep your cool and not be too eager, think about this too. Like if you're any good and you're hiring for your, if you're working in an agency environment where you're probably largely commissioned or at least a good chunk of your income's commissioned, there's going to be plenty of situations where you really, really hope that this one person you found is going to be the one because you got nothing else, but you can't mm -hmm. talk like that on the phone or you're going to spook them or you're going to blow it or something. So treat that the same way. Right. Like just like when you have that one person, that one candidate that's going to fill this and you don't want to blow it. So you're trying to like keep your cool and not like inundate them or be up their ass. Same, same principle. Well, let's talk about uh, if you're an agency owner already, let's say you're, you're an established firm, right? Then you're an established firm and you want to use the opportunity to, to hire, hire, whether it be hired you know, maybe more junior people, uh, uh, in, in, in like a, like a, like a pipeline to your firm or hiring, uh, you know, superstars or maybe even bringing people with solo recruiters who want to work within the context of a larger firm. If, if you want to do that, I think some of the, um, so I want to talk about that for a few minutes. Uh, I know that for, for me, um, a great piece of advice I got years and years ago from one of my mentors was basically where he said, take say $50,000 or 40,000, whatever it is, uh, take that and put that into a separate bank account almost like an escrow if you will and and that's your hiring money right so you, you so in your mind you've already spent it, right that's your hiring money hiring budget and so when you hire uh, instead of hiring maybe one person if they work out hire three uh or hire two whatever knowing that one or two aren't going to work out um and what happens is you draw that money out of that special account whatever they bill whatever they bill goes back into the account and replenishes it mm. and nothing gets back into your your general business account until that account that, that account gets topped up again and so what happens is it keeps your, your hiring funds away from your general funds, right? So it kind of helps keep that barrier in between so you don't, you don't go too hog wild. It, 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 it also uh, forces you to always be thinking about making sure your people are paying for themselves. Mm. Uh, versus are you not, refilling that bucket? Yeah, because very easy as as an owner, just to you got so many things happening. You're managing several people, and it, it, it's it's very easy to to miss those things, right? Or just not yeah. think about it. Versus if you're paying somebody to have a specific account that's dwindling down, you got to figure out I got to get money back into that. I got to get these guys productive. I'm going to run out of my hiring budget, right? And so and as soon as they're productive, put that money right back in before anything overflows into your general, and then and it keeps you um, safer. So I think from a uh, just from like a financial standpoint. Think about it in those terms and and do that. That's that's uh, a great so, piece of advice I got from a mentor many 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 years ago. And he he runs uh, or he's had a lot of experience in building firms. So he's done this many many times. So. Related to that, but a slightly different twist on it. Um, actually, it was funny when we were like researching videos and trying to find something. I looked at some hiring salespeople videos to see if any of them were you know made sense to to just show today and you know one of them actually comes to mind now which was someone was given advice on on hiring salespeople, and they were talking about and, and whether or not you're gonna have this person do sales or recruiters or producers so just you know hire more than one person hire like two of them 
right? Instead of just one. And the thought process there was basically, uh, and, the, and what you just said made me think of this, uh, the amount of time you're going to spend ramping one of them up versus like two of them at the same time is, is, is pretty similar. Um, you're you're kind of hedging yourself because you're not counting on one failing. Because if you think about this, if one of them fails, all the effort wasn't for nothing. Because if you just hire one person, all your eggs are in one basket and it could be very, it could set you back. And also it could be just mentally like, uh, you know, challenging to be like, oh man, I got to start this whole process all over again. If you hire two of them and you get them started at the same time, worst case, well, worst case, none of them work out, but one of them works out better than the other. Best case, they both work out. And now you got a new problem, which is, okay, maybe I got to hire a recruiter or something like that. Um, so I just wanted to add like that piece. That was one of the things I saw when we were looking at. And I think, you know, I think there's a lot of merit to that because I could see as an individual out there hiring that first person, investing time in them, investing effort in them. And then a couple months later, it just doesn't pan out. I could see that being like very detrimental to someone's just outlook. And, and I think if you have the capacity to hire a couple at a time, uh, you can hedge some of that. And if you think about it too, like think about whatever base you're giving them and like, say you're drawing from that account, whatever base you're giving them, let's say you're giving them out like a $50,000 base for like easy math, right? If one of them, if somebody only lasts like a couple months or whatever, you didn't blow $50,000. You spent like a quarter of that, right? So does that, does that kind of make sense? I mean, I think I, I've never tried it that way specifically, but mm-hmm. as I, as I listened to that, I was like, you know what, that's probably not a bad strategy for a solo mm-hmm. trying to do their first hire. Well, also I was thinking about this too. If you are multiple people as a two or three at a time, you're, you're hedging your bets obviously. And, and, I'll, and if all everybody works out, then that's actually kind of a good problem to have. But secondly, uh, I know from personal experience, you know, you, you hire one person and you put a lot of time into training that person and a month later that it worked out. It's not so much the money. It's all the time you lost, the time that you could have been spent spent getting new business or, or recruiting the positions you have or doing whatever, right. Or hiring somebody. It's that time that, that you'll never get back. Uh, and, and that's, that's a big one. So, so I think a lot of it too also comes down to not only figuring out, okay, how do I hedge my bets? So I don't lose the time by hiring multiple people, but also how can I, um, um, automate my training and, or, or at least, or at least semi-automate my training. So one thing that, um, uh, uh, smart, smart firm owners do, right. Is instead of having the same training uh, slides or or training sessions, they bring everybody through and they teach them the business, uh, and, they, and the owner does it themselves. They're not they're taking time out of their day. It's what I used to do. Um, it is is record videos. Like all a lot of these trainings, you can do just record the videos once, and so when people come in, you're still working them one on one. But then for part of the day, they're watching these training videos, right? Mm. So you can go out and spend your time doing going going out and getting new business. Uh, and yeah, I think that's right. You do it all the time now. Anytime mm-hmm. you train anyone on any, any element of your business, I recorded every one of mine and I use them as I scaled boss. I use every one of them for new people to watch the old ones when we made new ones and they, the, and all sorts of things to get everyone. That on the scales same like crazy. Yeah. Cause yeah. that time consuming nature that, that you're like, oh, I don't have time to show them how to do this. But if you take Google the time once Zoom now, while like, you're doing to- it, yeah, like a loom. Yeah. That's it. Loom, Google mm-hmm. Meets, Zoom, Zoom, save the recording, uh, uh, categorize them. Use and the it best part the is you may be doing a production activity anyway, and so you're just recording that. So you're not even taking time energy to train. You're yeah. literally just recording what you do and then just handing it off. So, sorry. Now, now one thing I, I will say that is, is really amazing, and again, this goes back to the irony that as recruiters, we're our own worst recruiters, <laughs> even though it's what we do for a living. Um, 
and 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 most search for search for owners when they when they uh, want to hire somebody, um, the funny thing is is they will talk crap about post it on job boards and only work with active candidates. We work with passive candidates. We go recruit people directly. Blah 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 blah. Yet for their own positions, they'll post something up on a job board and they go and, and then go about their work and hope they get some good good uh, uh, applicants in. Right, as opposed to. Just like it were a search, actually mapping out the three or four hundred top recruiters in, let's say, your city, uh, and actually creating an actual marketing or recruiting campaign around that and recruiting for your own firm. And in fact, to take it even further, take it even further, uh, if you want to continually have a pipeline, what I would do actually is just like with your uh, your prospect market. Let's say you, you're a finance recruiter and you're, you're you work in Orlando, and that's kind of your your, your little like 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 uh, 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 market, right? Just Orlando. So you probably have a few thousand finance managers, controllers, CFOs, et cetera, in your database that you're marketing to and your drip campaign and yada, yada. So you're, you're staying top of mind. You're building your brand. Well, why aren't you doing that with the three or 400 uh, or however many finance recruiters in Orlando where you are uh, getting their email, putting them on a list, running advertisements to them, making sure you're connected to them on LinkedIn and, and building out your brand building to those people. Right. So that way, when the top ones want to make a move, you're top of mind to them. Or when mm -hmm. you reach out, when you're hiring, they're much more likely to respond because you're yeah, in that reminds me Orlando. Too, before we run out of time, I know we're getting there, but like, I wonder how many people out there on top of their mind and doing that is going to also engage a search firm. And you need to. And how many of you are going to say, oh, no, I would never. Like, <laughs> you're selling the exact opposite of what you sell all the time. How, how do you not want to see the best town out there and benchmark it and network and maybe recruit the friend of their friend that, that like, oh, my God, there are a couple of great ones out there. Sookie that we had on the show. And, uh, you know, there's a, there's a bunch of people that. An interesting thing about that, Neil, too, is that strategy. Those people know what other recruiters are making better than anyone else. That's like, it, man. We Why all have our ideas, uh, but we're. In I, our use, own little I use recruiters for my company. There's people in, in our group that watch this podcast. I pay him a, a search for. When, I don't want I, to, but I, again, I was, I'm wrong. I'll do it. When I was working for Yo like 15 years ago and I was hiring recruiters for various offices around the country and salespeople, at that point in time, I was so tuned in to what everyone was into, every, whether they're big tech systems or whatever, or small. I knew what Absolutely. everybody in town was paying. I knew all the comp plans. I knew everything because that's all I did. I was recruit recruiters. Yeah. Now I have some experience to draw from and some anecdotes, but I'd be, I don't yeah. know. Right. They so know. go into it knowing you're not going to pay the fee. You'll just do it for the recruiting game, for the free referrals that you get, for all the info. Yeah, but it's a business out. decision. It's a business decision you'll make. Mm -hmm. Right. You'll pay the fee if and only if you want to. If at the end of it, you said, I did all my stuff What David just talked about, which is what made me think about it, David, why I cut you off there. Right. Is just add it to it and do everything just like you would if you were CEO of a company or you were a consultant looking out. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. And if you get a candidate in there, that's great. Come on, who do they know? They'll start referring people to you. You want to network over time, just like the video. Meet the best people in your space. I can't believe when people come to me for a referral and I say, oh, I got an intro for you. Oh, no, thanks. I don't want that industry. I'm like, what? talk to each. Oh, are you crazy? Get to know the good people. And if I'm telling you, something, like, mm -hmm. not that I'm telling you, just network, man. And this is the great opportunity. And for free, guess what? These recruiters are crazy. Wonder why? They're willing to do all the work for nothing.
They're willing to do all the work knowing you're going to do everything in your power not to hire through them. They're going to do everything knowing that they're only going to charge you a fee if and only if you hire their person and they're willing to not have an exclusive most of them. Oh, yeah, you know that because you're on the show. You guys get it? <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, well, now, now uh, uh, I do want to say this. I'm kind of starting to wrap up here, but uh, I do want to uh, throw in a shameless plug here. But, you know, we were talking about hiring uh, and, and obviously hiring human beings. But um, uh, I've get, been doing a lot of work lately in, in AI, specifically in how you can use AI personas uh, on ChatGBT to actually crank out content, create recruiting plans, create email campaigns, uh, create blog articles, create social media posts in a fraction of the time. And that will outshine like 95% of copywriters out there. Um, I just released a course that launched this money. It's available Im immediately. I've been uh, selling on a, on a pre-launch. I'm extending the sale. So if anybody wants to jump into that, it is go to realdsp.me forward slash blueprint. And it's 75% off. Uh, I'm going to open it up again for a couple more days. And that's it. Uh, and uh, use the code launch at checkout. At, on that page and you get 75 percent off and get the program immediately all right when i extend it a couple more days somebody watching this go right now and uh jump in on it and if you want because you can be a solo recruiter and have three or four of these air personas out there providing massive leverage for yeah, listen i've used it mm -hmm. in the real world this you got it it's the stuff's amazing uh, it's amazing and david what it what he shows you is having you step by step exactly what to put in to create these personas. David had it read my staffing by the book. David, you want to put that up there, by the way? Good timing for it. Oh, yeah. David had my yeah. staffing by the book. We'll come back to your blueprint because I'm plugging it. And it extracted my writing style. And David used that writing style to create a blog persona. And David gave us step-by-step step what to pace with all, I mean, David is brilliant. Everyone need if you're not experienced in it, this guy knows it for recruiting. We adapted it for, oh my God, thank you. So back to you, David, that's mine for the book. But David, back to uh, back to you in the blueprint, because it's really good stuff, really good stuff. Oh yeah, I appreciate it. Well, yeah, and by the way, if you want the the ebook, it's actually a great, great one. I've read it myself. Go to back office staffing solutions forward slash uh, or sorry, back office staffing solutions.com forward slash staffing. Uh, and of course for the blueprint, uh, go to, uh, real DSP me, M E forward slash blueprint. Use the code launch for 75% checkout. Um, Chris, uh, I know you don't have anything to promote, uh, but if you have anything you want to promote, feel free to throw it in there. Although I know, you know, you're recruiters, so you don't sell their recruiters, but you know, I want to throw that out there in case you wanted to promote anything yourself, just in case. Nah, not this week, but in, in, in the near future, there might be a couple things to talk about. Excellent. All right. All right well, guys, that's a great show. I think, um, uh, uh, I think I forget what we're talking about on our next show. We'll, we'll come up with, with an announcement here soon. We'll be talking about our, our next show. Or comment with uh, your ideas. What do you want us to talk about? Your ideas. Very well. And take a look at some ideas as well. All right, guys, with that said, thank you, everybody. Thank you, Neil. Thank you, Chris. And thank, thank you, you most of all to you watching this. So please do us a favor. Comment live, or if you're watching the replay, comment replay and like it, love it, share it, help us go viral. And with that said, peace out, everybody. Bye. Peace out.